the Lord dropped some revelation in me this morning at the house. And he said, we are supposed to live under authority and above reason. And you cannot live under authority until you have met authority. So through this process of renewing the mind, the function, whether it's our intellect, our will, our emotion, our affections, whatever we are prompted to reason, whenever we're prompted to reason, then we know that that function has not met authority yet. God put the reasoning function in the intellect so we can reason with him, with truth. We don't reason between a lie and the truth. So in the process of renewing the mind through the revelation of God, which is the word illuminated to you, that becomes yours when it's illuminated to you, the mind gets renewed and meets the authority, the spirit that's in the revelation of the word. And then we begin to walk under authority in lieu of walking in sense and reason, reason, trying to figure things out. If you try to figure things out, you are missing God because the word of God says his, his ways are past figuring out and his ways are always going to be your ways because he died for you. So we have to go his way in everything that we do. So if you can't figure something out in your life, that's when you rest. You rest in patience. Uh, The word of God says that through, through patience, we possess the soul. So what's happening is the spirit is allowed to come forth, resurrect out of your spirit man to possess the soul and guide it and separate it. That's the key word. Sanctify it unto God, separate it unto God. Remember, the Holy Spirit was sent to what? Sanctify for obedience. We cannot obey the word unless we are separated from the things that we're not supposed to be attached to. Because God has to separate you before he can feed you, before he can change you. Because whatever you're attached to, whether it's material things or uh, uh, relationships you shouldn't be in, then there's there's a spirit behind that that has an influence on you. And the Holy Spirit will sanctify you, means set you apart from that so that you can obey the Word of God. Okay? So I always know when people are reasoning and are prompted to reason that the promise of God is at hand for them. Now, when the promise of God is at hand, it's within reach. And when we get into reason, the blinders come over our eyes where we can't see the promise. It's all around us. Because when the enemy tempts you to reason, he he can't move until God moves. Because he's trying to stop the work of God. He's trying to stop the work of God. So, um, God is in the midst of us, the church as a whole, to judge the church. Because there's trespassers in the temple. 
And he says in the word that he'll judge his church before he judges the world. So if you let him judge your temple, he's not judging you, right? He's because you've already been judged by the blood of Christ and his sacrifice and resurrection. But what's being judged is the lie that we yield to. And when it's judged, this is how you'll know it's judged. When you go into, into a courtroom and you're before the judge, your whole life is exposed. It's in public view. Everything is exposed. Well, the same thing when God begins to judge what's holding you back in the mind from entering into the kingdom benefits, the abundant life in Christ, he'll begin to judge. He'll shine the light on that area. And then that spirit that's attached to that is in view. Now, the first thing we want to do is complain. The first thing we want to do is dispute. And I'll get into this in some of this message, but I'm just trying to lay some groundwork. Um, And what that is, it's another spirit that's piggybacking what God is doing, exposing. So... So when God exposes anger, for example, or fears, then he exposes the fear, the spirit of fear. And then what happens is the spirit of complaining has attached itself to the spirit of fear that God is exposing. So the spirit of fear, a spirit of complaining begins to complain about what's happening. And most people, when you start complaining about something, you get tired of listening to them, so you get away from them. So the enemy is trying to get you away from what God is trying to do in your life through complaining. And the Lord showed me one time, and I've said this before, that complaining cancels out the anointing that you have to carry to take the next step into possessing what Jesus wants to bring into your life. Because you have to be anointed to receive. Because if you receive without Christ's anointing, you won't be able to hold on to it. It's holy. You won't be able to hold on to it. That's why he has to separate you first from things and people and sanctify you in that place so that you can obey the word. And what brings the anointing of God is obedience to the word. That's what attracts the anointing, is obedience to the word. There's a lot of preachers out there that preach the word, but there's no anointing. Because they have not yet been processed to be positioned to go public in what they're doing. So that's why you see a lot of big ministers fall. Because the enemy doesn't mind if you get up there in the limelight through thousands and ten thousands of people. Because he sees your fall coming. Because you have agreement with him. Some secret sin, we got agreement with him. And he'll let you get as high as he you want to get because he wants to mock God. He wants you to reach as many people as you can reach with the message you're preaching so that you can fall and he can mock God. Well, God is done with that, you tell me. I'm telling you, he's done with that. He is judging the temple. He's getting these agreements out of the mind through the renewing of the mind. Through the revelatory revelation of of the word of God that we receive in private meditation with God. It's the only way you can receive revelation is in meditation. If somebody's preaching to you all the time and teaching to you all the time, you cannot get revelation. You can get the word, 
But the word's not going to do you a bit of good here until it starts here. It's got to be birthed out of your spirit to have an anointing on it that you can apply it. It has to have power on it for you to apply it. And then you become a doer of the word and, and bearing forth fruit. So this process, this vision the Lord gave me, he gave me different visions because it takes a manifold way of teaching one thing to reach everybody. Everybody receives differently. People think differently. People are in different levels in the body of Christ in their spiritual walk. So it takes different ways to reach people. So we're going to start with this it's called the process. Now let's define process. This is teaching tonight. This is interaction. So anybody has any questions, raise your hand. Because we got to get it. There's going to be such a launching in 2011 for people. Oh, Jesus, I feel the anointing. For people, saints that have been sanctified, set apart from people this year. And receiving the revelation for the application, for the manifestation. And a lot of us are going to go public next year. And it's the Spirit of God doing it because you don't want to do it. If you want to go public, then then your pride has not been dealt with. Because the more you get of God, the less you want to be seen. The more you get of God, the less you want to be seen. So there's going to be a launching next year. <clears throat> I wish I could go back to those those uh, prophecies the Lord gave me in 09, I believe it was, of what was going to happen in the next four years. You remember those 09, the next four years, I think it was uh, uh, in 2011, prosperity in Christ would begin to flow. In 2012, he wanted his people out of debt. And in 2012, the governmental authority of Christ would be in place in different regions. When I say the governmental authority of Christ to be in place, it's the fivefold office. God is birthing ministries like this that will birth the fivefold office in one ministry. Prophet, past, uh, uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. That is the fullness of Christ. You don't find too many ministries that have in one ministry a foundational fivefold office in place. That when people come in who are called to one of these offices, they can be trained, they can be equipped, and they be sent out. But there will always be a foundational fivefold office here. And, and that's, that's I feel, the anointing. It'll be a launching pad for his people. God is pulling people out of the marketplace right now. We meet with them every week. Met with one today. A successful people. Beginning to tug on them. To come on in to, from being successful to significance. From being an entrepreneur to an ambassador for Christ. This is happening. So without the fivefold office, you will never experience the fullness of Jesus. Because Jesus was the fivefold office. He's the only man that can walk in all five of those offices. And the only man that ever will. So he said, I give men, gifts to men. These five gifts he's given to men. First apostles, prophets, pastors, 
evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So that's what I'm excited about. Because the Lord showed me earlier in the year that this ministry might come down to five people. And I wanted to jump and run. Because that excites me. Because the more people that's coming in, that they're not quite in that place of renewing their mind or understanding what it all means, spirits are being released and they'll hinder what God is trying to do. Because the Holy Spirit is gentle. He won't push anything on you. He's gentle. So uh, if we get down to five people for the purpose of placing a purified, sanctified vessels that can operate through giftings that are pure and undefiled to bring forth an undefiled work in the body of Christ. I feel the anointing. God is going to send out across the nations, across Savannah, this fivefold office, and they'll land in a church. And that church will be totally transformed by love, be totally transformed by the power of God. And when they leave, after five days, he showed me five days it would take for the apostolic function to take authority over the demonic spirits that have the church in bondage, to have the church in, in, in a stunted growth, that when an apostolic function stuff steps in, you have the authority to take charge over the atmosphere. And when that authority begins to bring everything into submission to Christ, and the prophet begins to speak. And when the prophet begins to speak, the will and purpose of God is going to be established in that church. Now the evangelists can teach how to take that will and purpose out of the church. You see it? The evangelist is supposed to take out what the apostle and prophet has established. And the evangelist is supposed to bring them in. So the pastor can nurture and care and protect the sheep. And the teacher can break what was established by the apostle and the prophet. Can break it down and milk these sheep. The pure, undefiled word of God. That ought to excite you. God, God has a plan. You don't think he's working, but he is working. He is working behind the scenes. He's gonna, he's gonna excite you. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna uh, uh, surprise you. And I love it because it's the goodness of God that leads us to changing our mind, repentance, changing our mind unto what salvation. Okay, I'll get started. A, a divine process. This divine process. <clears throat> It's a system of operations in the production of something. A system of operations in the production of something. Now let's define, let's define system. Let's write this down. I'll go slow because you've got to get it. You've got to get it. Process is a system of operations in the production of something. Now let's find out what system means. System means a group of interacting, interrelated, interdependent, forming a complex whole. I'll repeat that. A system 
is a group of interacting, interrelated, interdependent, forming a complex whole. And that complex whole is the Word of God. It's a network of channels for communication and distribution. It's a network of channels for communication and distribution. Now, where will we find the system of operation? Where will we find a group of interacting, interrelated, interdependent, forming a complex whole, which is the Word of God? Where, where will we find that in us? Right here. It's a system of operations. Your intuition, communions, and conscience is a system of operations. They interact with each other. They're interrelated to each other. They're interdependent on each other. But they're forming the whole word of God. The whole revelation that comes into your spirit. That's how it gets formed. The revelation is what? Direct truth. Illumination. Impression. When it comes into your spirit, it's coming into the intuition function. But the interaction and interdependency of these these functions make the word of God whole in your spirit. So intuition and communion is for communication. Intuition and communion is for communication. Conscience is for distribution. So remember, it's a network of channels for communication and distribution. Everybody get that? It's a network of channels for communication and distribution. Saints, this is where it all begins. In the spirit. When you receive that truth, there's a relationship that has to happen. The communication has to happen. You can't have a relationship until you, you know how to communicate. So the intuition and the communion is the two functions that communicate with the revelation that it received as functions enabling us to communicate. All right, let's define process. We define a system. A system of operations in the production of something. Okay, we got that. Let's define process a little more. It says a series, series of actions and changes that bring forth and about an end result. The Bible says in 1 Peter that faith comes to an end at the salvation of the soul. When the soul is whole, your faith comes to an end. Because when you have God, all of God, you don't need any more faith. And you become complete in God like this man here. He is totally sanctified, spirit, soul, and body. As Jesus said, I will sanctify them, spirit, soul, and body. That means I'm going to set them apart for God to inhabit them. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Jesus is at the right hand of the throne of God making intercession for us. The Father is waiting to live in us through the renewing of the mind. When the mind is renewed, the Father lives in the mind. Jesus has completed his work. The mind is the New Testament garden. It's where God talks with us, communes with us. He walks with us. Uh, it's the New Testament garden. So defining the process is a series of actions and changes that bring about an end result. All right. Once you receive the truth and you communicate with the truth, 
and you're really ready to distribute the truth. Now, what distributes the truth? Conscience. Conscience holds the truth for timing and release. So where is it going to distribute this truth to? Intellect. This is a series of actions and changes that take place. Series means a group of things of the same class. So we have four functions in the soul, but they're of the same class. They function to redeem the soul through the Word of God. It's a function that the Word of God works through to renew the mind. So it's a group of things of the same class coming one after the other in succession. Now this is what we have to get. As the Word leaves the spirit man, comes into the mind... It's coming through a series of successions for it to be complete. So when you when it hits your intellect, it's going to hit your intellect. The revelation is going to hit your intellect first. And you're going to reason with that truth. Okay, God gave you that function to reason with the truth. And what reasoning does, it establishes understanding. When understanding is established, then reasoning will release what it has, it has been understood to the will and the will will make the choice to obey. And that's where most of us miss it. The will will make the choice to obey. So coming one after the other, they are forming an order. It's the intellect. It's the will. Now if the will chooses to obey. The will sends the word, the revelation to the emotions. Okay? And we are, we, we, we've already been through all the, the definitions of these, but the emotions... We'll send it to affections, and that's where we walk it out in love. If you're not walking the truth out in love, it has no power on it. So look at look at this. Look look at these channels and how they work. It's coming in one way through the intuition, and it's coming out one way through the tongue. That's where we express love. What comes off the tongue? We express love. Are we getting it? Am I going too fast? No. <clears throat> so, okay, so we have a system of interrelated, interdependent networking going on for communication and distribution of the revelation of Jesus, the Word of God, to the soul to produce a series of action and change for an end result. Isn't that powerful? Can't you follow that? Can you follow it? You cold? She's cold. I see her shivering over there. And the end result is what? What's the end result? Salvation. Remember, Jesus said you got to work out your salvation. He said you have to work it out. He said, I put it in you, but now you got to work it out. you got to work out what's in here and put it in here. So that you can bear fruit of what's in here. And this is the process. Isaiah 14.9. We're going to start with the bottom circle here representing the soul that's so close to the earth. Isaiah 14, 9. It says, Hell, the place of the dead, below is stirred up to meet you at your coming. Now, I haven't heard one evangelist use that. That's the one that an evangelist should use. Hell, exci- hell is excited about your entry. Now, if I was an evangelist, that would be my starting word right there. 
It will get people's attention. Hell is excited, stirred up to meet you at your coming. So the lost soul has an eternal destination, and the Bible calls it the place of the dead. The soul that is dead to the relationship to God. The soul is close to the earth. If you can picture these these tentacles going down to the earth, it's attached to the earth. But when Jesus, let's go let's go to Proverbs fifteen twenty four. <clears throat> Proverbs fifteen twenty four says the way of life wins wins up upward for the wise that he may turn from hell below. So notice how how the arrows are going up here in this vision, pointing towards heaven, because that's the way of life, is looking up. And when you look up, you turn from hell below. When you look up, you turn from hell below. Now Proverbs 15, 24 says, the path of the wise leads upward to life, that he may avoid the place of the dead. 1 John 2.16 We're going to define what's of the world that we can stay away from. 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, which is our craving for sensual gratification, and the lust of the eyes, which is greedy longings of the mind, and the pride of life which is the assurance of one's own resources or in the stability of earthly things. The Word of God says these do not come from the Father, but come from the world. So, this lost soul is yielded to the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. The pride of life is assurance of one's own resources and not the resources of heaven. Thank God for Jesus who came to rescue. It says in Matthew 18, 11, Jesus came to save that which was lost. Now, save means rescue. He rescued us from the power of darkness. It's a great rescue. He delivered us from the power of darkness. Save means to rescue from loss. To rescue and set aside for future use, okay? So now, when you get grafted in, when you when you get saved, when you get snatched from Satan's power, you are set aside for future use. And what is that future use? To bring forth the kingdom. To make manifest the kingdom of heaven on the earth. You are set aside. It says you are set aside for future use. So that means now you're set aside, you're set apart for the purpose of what? Washing. The Word of God washes us of the residue of the fall. So Jesus rescued us from hell below and set us aside into his kingdom for the future use of the kingdom manifestations. But notice, how, how did, you see the soul is by itself in this vision. How did the soul come into two people? How did the one become two how did they get separated? Okay, the Word of God, Hebrews 4.12 says, The Word of God is living. The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is sharper 
than any two-edged sword, piercing to what? The division of the soul and the spirit, and the joints and the marrow, and the discerner of the hearts, and the intents of the heart. So when Jesus comes in, who is the Word of God, comes in to the lost soul, he divides the spirit that's in the lost soul, is hidden in the soul. See, when Adam fell, the spirit dove into the soul. It fell into the soul. They became one. When the word of God comes in, it separates the two, sanctifies the spirit with the light of Jesus, the word of God, and the soul gets set over here for the purpose of working out its salvation through the renewing of the mind. So do we understand the division now? That's, this has been so successful for me in reaching the lost. When I sit down one-on-one with them and show them what's happening here, that their spirit is dead to God. That's why it's hidden in the soul. But when Jesus comes in, it separates it, connects the spirit back to God, and now you're alive in God. You're walking in his power. You're sensitive to him. You're conscious, consciousness to him. You're God-centered and not self-centered or self-consciousness anymore, you've changed. So the Word of God did that. So now the Spirit lives under authority. Your spirit man lives under authority, which is the authority of Jesus Christ. The soul lives under reason. You see, the spirit man is sanctified and set apart for God. It's a system of operations functioning now for communication and fellowship with God through Jesus and for for the distribution of the revelation to the soul. The spirit conforms to God's will and purpose. Now the soul is still unsanctified, unsanctified. It still desires the things of the world. Come on. It still desires. It's not your fault that you desire the things of the world. She needs a blanket. So the soul, an unsanctified soul, still desires the things of the world. And now what are the things of the world? Pride of life. Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So the soul is still conformed to the world. That's why a lot of people, if they don't get good teaching, you'll lose them. Because the world has a strong influence, a stronghold on the soul. That's when a lot of people get saved and then get developed by man instead of by revelation. They get developed by man and they never mature because man in himself is not mature to spiritual things until his mind is renewed. So the attraction begins between the bride and the bridegroom. The bridegroom's in your spirit. The soul is the bride. We are the bride. The soul is the bride. Joel 2.16, I love this verse in Joel 2.16. It says, let the bridegroom come out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Now, how can we identify what is the dressing room of the bride? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you say, let's identify what's the dressing room of the bride? Anybody? Set apart. Remember? Remember? The Holy Spirit in the Spirit begins to 
set the bride apart, and, and that's the dressing room. And when the, when, when the bride is washed in that area, then the bridegroom comes out of his chambers and connects with the bride, and they become one. You see it? You see it, Smiley? You see it happening? They become one. So the blood of Jesus covers the spirit and the soul with eternal life. The blood covers the spirit and soul with eternal life. So if this this person didn't get the right teaching and they fall back into the world and they die, you think they're going to hell or going to heaven? Heaven. Jesus cannot deny himself. You're already seated with him in the heavenly places. So, so what, what, are we, what, what are we cutting ourselves short from by not getting the soul renewed by the word of God? We're missing the kingdom benefits here on earth. We're missing the kingdom life here on earth. We're missing what God gave us dominion on the earth. He said, everything is yours. That's what he said. He said, I've given you the key to everything. And the key to everything is the word of God. When your mind gets renewed, you have the keys to speak what you need into existence. And then when that soul dies and meets Jesus, Jesus says to him, here's your reward. The the rewards differ. There's less rewards. There's more rewards. There's higher rewards. It depends on how much the mind got renewed. Because you can't do an effective work in the earth without a renewed mind. That's why the church after 2,000 years is still a baby. Because nobody zeroed in on renewing the mind. We preach the word, but nowhere in that Bible says the bride's supposed to be preached at. The Bible says sinners are supposed to be preached at. The bride has got to be taught by revelation, by revelatory teaching to change her thinking. Because if the leader has not received the revelation from God to change the thinking of the sheep, they won't get changed. If that word has not become one in in the leader, then he won't change anybody. If that word has not changed and renewed the mind of the leader, he should not preach what he has not experienced. Because there will be no life on it. Because life is coming out of these functions into this mind to produce life or death. So when you have a pure river coming up out of your spirit, remember, and it comes through this filter. And this filter is not renewed yet. It's still dirty. still has the residue of Adam's fall. And you preach or teach, then the effectiveness is watered down. It's still going to be effective, but at a measure. When I say a measure, is because it's still water. I can take dirty water and still get you halfway clean. You see? And, and then people wonder why they don't get their healings and keep their healings. Because the water coming out is dirty. And you're leaving a residue of the fall of Adam in you on that person. But also you're leaving a residue of the Holy Spirit. So you got both deposits. And both powers are going to be attracted to those deposits. The power of God, the Holy Spirit is going to be attracted to that deposit. The power of Satan, 
going to be attracted to that other deposit. So sickness comes back. I've, I've seen this vision. When, when the fivefold office is in place and in functioning and they go to a church and God has already put it on the, on the hearts of the pastors, he's stirring them up that they need help. They need help. And if they're not functioning in an apostolic function, they will never get to where they need to be without an apostolic function. Function. In fact, God's given me a, a vision to have a teaching class just for ministers. Pastors that have been around a long time. I, I get pastors come to me all the time and say, Gene, I just don't have the answers for them anymore. They come up to the altar every Sunday for the same thing. They seem to be get freed up when they're at the altar. They seem to be freed up the next day by Sunday. They're, they're back in the same stuff they, they, they thought they got out of. The answer is revelation. The answer come this kind of revelation comes out of an apostolic function it has nothing to do with a man it's coming out of a gift but the lord showed me that i was going to be a minister to to pastors in this city and i saw a vision of pastors filled up in here and me line upon line teaching them just what i'm teaching you tonight and bernice is putting uh, manuals together so that we can start uh producing the manuals we need for study and application. Okay, so the blood covers the spirit and the soul for eternal life. The word is salvation, giving abundant life here on the earth. Now, so you're covered by the blood. If you died, you'd go to heaven if you're born again. If you're not born again, you won't get there. But the word is for the purpose of obedience unto abundant living in Christ. God never said you're supposed to be broke, busted, and disgusted. He never said that. He never said that you'd have to take a vow for poverty. He never said that. He never said that you'd have to live a life of poverty. He never said that you'd have to live a life of pain. Every scripture that I've searched out, it says it's a light affliction. It's but for a moment. That's enough to get excited about right there. Because most of us have been in pain and in and, and, and repeat performance of the same thing over and over again. Can't seem to get the victory. Well, the victory is the revelation of God, His Word, and you hearing it and receiving it. Now, where do you hear the Word of God? Your spirit, man, hears it. You have an inner ear, remember? You have two ears. You have an inner ear that's yielded to Christ. You have an outer ear that's yielded to the elements of the world so we can recognize the witnesses that come to confirm what the inner ear has received so we can move out on the promise. So we hear with our spirit, we receive through the soul, through the mind, through the intellect. That's why I love that verse in Matthew. He says, he who hears the word and receives the word bears fruit, some 30, some 60, some hundredfold. So and I've said this before. Why did God say 30, 60, and 100-fold? Why didn't he just say 100-fold? See the three levels he showed me in this vision? 30, 60, 100-fold. The 100-fold is burst at the beginning of that third level. And then you're processed within that third level. And then at the end of the third level, you are flowing in a 100-fold return of what you have given, what you have sown, uh, and Jesus said it. And he said, he said, no one who has left 
mother, father, houses, brothers, sisters, wives, lands, for my sake and the gospel. There's the key. For my sake and the gospel. It's twofold. Who shall not receive a hundredfold in this life and the life to come, houses, lands, mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers. The only one he left out was a wife. He had it in the first one. He said, he said, no one who is left wife who will not receive, who will not receive these things, but he didn't have the wife in the last latter part of the, the scriptures. Why? Because he's only called you to one wife. But at some point, you have to love Jesus more than you love your wife. Because you can't love her till you know how to love Jesus. So 2 Corinthians 5 5, 2 Corinthians 5 5 says, Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So God prepared the attraction between the bridegroom and the bride. He has prepared the attraction. And gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit for our success. It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. So when Jesus becomes Lord and not just Savior, you will have success. So too many of us just having a Savior right now and not Lord. Well, how do you make him Lord, Gene? What am I missing here? I thought he was Lord. The Word of God says he's Savior in your spirit. But he's Lord a renewed mind because he can only be Lord over his word. He cannot be Lord over your sin. You're Lord over your sin. So he's Lord when the mind is renewed. So you have four functions to your mind, to your soul. When one function gets renewed, he's Lord over that one function. And the others aren't renewed yet, then you're Lord over those functions. Yep, you're catching it. See, the true success, if anybody wants to know what true success is, true success is to be reconciled, spirit, soul, and body to Jesus. That is the true success you'll ever experience. As the reconciliation of the spirit, soul, and body into Jesus. So we go from obedience to reconciliation. Romans 12, 2 says... Do not be conformed to this world, which is the lust of the eye. Remember, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. But be transformed, that means changed, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove. Say prove. Prove. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? No wonder we can't figure things out. The word is saying, until your mind is transformed and renewed by the word of God, you'll never figure out the will of God. If it doesn't have any substance, it's not the truth. That's why it has to be tested because there's a lot of counterfeits. A lot of counterfeit spirits. But listen to what it's saying. Do not be conformed to the lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, or the pride of life, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that perfect, good, and acceptable will of God. That good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, why did he say good, acceptable, and perfect? Why didn't he just say all perfect? If the mind is renewed, why didn't he just say it's all perfect? And we, we would know the perfect will of God.
good, acceptable, and perfect. We receive truth. We understand truth. Okay? Good, acceptable, and perfect. If the mind is only one-third renewed, then we can understand what the good will of God is. And sometimes the good will of God is sometimes His permissive will. That there is some goodness in that. Because all things work together for the good. So He'll let you go in a direction, which I call His permissive will, not His perfect will. So that He can use it to get something good out of it. Okay? He can get something good out of it. You know what's, what, get, what, what, what you get good out of it is revelation. More revelation. So listen, the key words in this verse is conform and transform. So to be conformed means to be in compliance with or to bring into agreement. So the agreements is where all the problems are right now. We've come into agreement with seducing spirits. We come into agreement with wrong teachings. We come into agreement with teachings that have not been uh, through revelation, but just been passed down through the generations that might feed your spirit, but doesn't change your mind. So your spirit can get edified by the word of God just like that. Somebody can preach the word whether they know the word or not, and your spirit can get edified. But it's through the revelation of God, revelatory word of God, that changes the person. That changes their mind, changes their thinking. So, conform means to come into agreement. <clears throat> Transform means to change in nature or character. So, so when we come into agreement with God's word, we are coming into a change in nature and character. A change in nature and character. So we're going to say we're not going to come into agreement with the lust of the eye anymore, lust of the flesh anymore, nor the pride of life anymore. Because we're coming into agreement with the spirit of this world, the prince of the air, who is Satan. The Bible says he is the prince of the air. Didn't say he was the prince of the spirit. He said he's the prince of the air. That means the air is the heavens. He's the prince in the second heaven, ruling over the earth. God is in the third heaven. But change your character by coming into agreement with the truth. It's so easy to come into agreement with this word because this word will not fail you. And I said before, I, I hear a lot of ministers say, you know, read the Bible in one year. I've seen a lot of people read this Bible in one year and then get changed a bit. You know why? Because they were reading it. Nowhere in this word says to read this Bible. What's it say? Meditate. Meditate. Study. Ponder. Divide it. You know, when, when he says a, uh, that we need to rightly divide the word of truth, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, what does that mean? How do we rightly divide this word? And, and what happens when we divide it? If I, if I open up this word and I begin to meditate on one scripture, that scripture be, will begin to divide. You'll be able to see the division in scripture. And what's happening in that division is the spirit is being released in the, from the Word. The water of the Word is being released in meditation. Now, when you understand the Word is when the water is released. And what's the purpose of the water? Wash the residue, the spots, the fall of Adam, the things that Satan is attracted to, the same things that, that uh, 
demonic influence is attracted to to keep you in bondage. The spots. Remember the three spots? What are they? Unknown spot, blind spot, and the hidden spot. One's unforgiveness, one's rejection, and one's shame. Those are the three primary spots that God showed me that keeps the bride of Christ in bondage. Okay, we're getting it. Change begins with hearing the truth. When revelation truth enters the new spirit, we hear it. When we hear a system of operations begins to process the truth for communication and distribution. We should always go back. Whatever we receive, we should always go back to the spirit. Does it bear witness? Whatever we receive with our eyes looking at, whatever we receive with our touch, with our hands, if it's not bearing witness with my spirit, I'm not going there. Because the spirit bears witness with what heaven is in agreement for you. And that spirit, the first witness is who? Holy Spirit. Now a witness has what? First-hand information, right? So the Holy Spirit has first-hand information about heaven concerning your life. That's why we should live from the inside instead of living from the outside. So intuition and the communion functions operate to communicate the revelation. The conscience receives the revelation for the distribution of, distribution to the unsanctified soul. Now, let's look at the power of agreement. Since we're talking about agreement and conformity, in Matthew 18, 19, it says in Matthew 18 and 19, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it shall be done by the Father in heaven. So listen, as the soul comes into agreement with the truth that is in the regenerated spirit of of Jesus which is your spirit man and is saying ask anything you see it right here it says ask anything and it will be done for you by the father in heaven how many of us are asking and not receiving I've been there done that ask and not receive what do you think the problem is there's no agreement with the word no agreement with the word It says right here, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning the anything that they ask on earth, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. So by conforming to the word, coming into compliance with the word of God, we, all we have to do is ask now. And this word says, and the Father will do it. That means you don't do anything, but ask. Too many of us are trying to make things happen. Trying to get loans to make things happen. Trying to do this to make this happen. Make this happen. Make this happen. If the devil has stirred you up so much to make something happen, then it's already happened in the spirit realm. God is already working on your behalf. But Satan knows it and sees it, so he wants to bring you into bondage so you can't receive what's already working for you. So when we come into agreement with the word, when the spirit, it says when the two of you, that means there's two men in us. There's a spirit man. The regenerated man, the new man, full of light, full of Jesus. And there's still the old man. He's still there. Look at him. He's still there. He said, when the two of you come into agreement with what's in the spirit man, now you can ask anything you want. And my father will do it for you. No. Yeah. Well, when, when <clears throat> the scripture is spirit. All scripture is spirit. And in every scripture, you'll find that God addresses the spirit 
and addresses the soul in every scripture. You'll find it. See, what's happening on the inside has to happen before anything can happen on the outside. If you try to make something happen on the outside that's not on the inside, it ain't going to happen. It'll be a counterfeit. It'll form itself and look just like what you're asking for. And it'll come your way. And it'll look like what you're asking for, smell like what you're asking for, the same color what you asked for. And then it ends up being a counterfeit. And what do counterfeits do? <clears throat> they leave you. <laughs> Simple as that. They leave you. <clears throat> if I if I if I touched and agree with a lost person, say, listen, let's let's agree with something heavenly right now. And this person's lost as she can be. And I'm filled with the spirit. You think it's gonna happen? Yeah, it don't work. It's gotta happen on the inside. That agreement has to happen between the spirit and the soul. There's two men in us. The old man, who Jesus said is crucified, but he's not buried yet. You have to bury him. He said, the old man has been crucified with me, but you've got to bury him. You've got to get him out of the way. You've got to get him out of sight. He's got to go. You've got to bury him. Get him out of sight. Well, if you bury him, you won't be able to find him. What did you say, Verdice? Oh. <laughs> Listen, why is agreement so important? Second Corinthians says, uh, 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. So now, why is agreement so important? It tells you right there in that scripture. Why, why is agreement so important? So old things can pass away, and new things can come. The old thing has to go before the new thing can come. So in between the old thing passing away and the new thing coming, there's got to be cleansing. Because when you're attached to something old and dirty for so long and you let go of it, then you, there's a season of cleansing. Now you've got to be washed with the Word. And once the Word washes you, then the new thing is attracted to what the Word washed. You don't get this. And it's the Father that brings the new thing. Jesus does not bring the new thing. Jesus said, ask the Father in my name, and he will do it for you. So what does Jesus do? He sanctifies. He's the one that's doing the sanctification work. He's the one that's separating you from the counterfeit relationships. He's the one that's separating you from your debt. He's the one that's separating you from everything that's in the way of sanctification, purity. So that the Father, he can send a new thing. And how hard it is for some people just to be alone for a little while. I'm telling you, you're going to have to be alone. And Jesus is going to have to be everything to you before he'll add anything to you. He's got to be everything to you. you got to be so satisfied with his peace. And I tell you, when you get there, you won't want anything. You won't. But you'll receive it just for the purpose of the covenant being established. You're a covenant people. He's made a covenant with you. I will bless you. I will multiply you. You'll be a blessing. You'll inherit the earth. You'll have dominion. All these things. So we receive those things for the purpose of testimony. That we can give him the glory. And, and the people that we give a testimony money to that Satan would be defeated in their life.
So reconcile means to establish friendship. I looked it up. Reconcile means to establish friendship. Agreement removes hostility toward God and establishes friendship with God. So if you've got anger in you and you're hostile towards somebody, then it's towards God. It's not towards that person. The God that you're crying out, Lord, I love you. I thank you. I'm asking you for this and asking you for that. And then when somebody comes up to you and triggers something in you, and, it's, and it comes out of, like a frog coming out of the mud, springs forth, and you got anger, you got all these things coming out of you. Well, who your anger at is, your, your anger is towards God. Because if you love God, you'll love the people. There won't be any anger in you towards people. So reconcile means to reestablish a friendship that once existed. Now, who, who is the friendship with? God. Adam and God were friends. They were friends. Agreement means <clears throat> removing the hostility towards God and establishing the friendship with God. So we cannot know the good and acceptable and perfect will of God until He becomes our friend. And He's not your friend if you're angry with Him. If you got anger and all this stuff in you, then a part of your life is not a friend to God. He is not your friend if you've got this anger in you. You see what I'm saying? Anger is towards God. Hostility is towards God, not the people. God is just using the people to trigger what's in you that he wants out of you so that he can be your friend. James 2.23 says, Abraham was called the friend of God. James 2.23 says, Abraham was called the friend of God. He was the father of faith. James 4.4 says, Adulterers, adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the word, with the world is enmity, deep-seated hatred with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy to God. There it is. Now, the scripture is spiritual. So when he says adulteress and adulterers, what's he talking about? How do we commit spiritual adultery? What does adultery mean in the natural? It means trying to receive something that's not yours. Trying to receive another man's wife when it's not your wife. So spiritual adultery is, is when you're trying to receive something that's not really yours. Because anger is there. Hostility is there with God. When you try to, try to receive something... And you've got hostility towards God unbeknowingly because of the anger in you. You cannot receive what God has for you. You've got to become his friend. Anger and hate towards God is towards God and not people. So listen, when the spirit, look at these two right here coming together, coming together, coming together. We're going on this, this next level here. When the spirit and soul come to a place of conformity to God's will and purpose which is the word of God. This is a will and purpose. And anger and hate resurrect towards God and not your neighbor. So when God is moving and there is a, a further uh, coming together of the spirit and the soul, there's going to be some stuff happening around you. Because that unsanctified soul is attached to the world. And when the spirit moves to start sanctifying the soul, 
it's going to start disrupting things around you. And you'll say, oh my God, what did I do? No, it's the sanctifying work of Jesus. And if you'll just rest in the anointed one and be patient with him, he will remove everything out of your life that you created without him. But see, that anger, when you're on the threshold of change, that, that vision back there, when you're on the threshold of change, anger and fear are the primary spirits that launch themselves into view. And they launch themselves into view for, in a, for opposition to what the demonic spirits are seeing is happening in the coming together of the bride and the bridegroom within us. So a friend of the world is being reconciled to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. The Bible says we must lay aside these weights. This, this poor guy here is so weighted down, he's as close to the earth as he can get. Let's look at Hebrews 12.1. We're almost finished, hopefully here. I'm, I'm getting, getting close. Hebrews 12.1 says, Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily traps us and snares us, and let us run this race with endurance. So what he's saying in this verse, Hebrews 12.1, Lay aside the weights of lust. Lay aside the weights of pride. Lay aside the weight of sin, which is rebellion. That is influencing, that is, that is, that it, it, that is its influence and run the race with wholeness. This is the race we're running right here. The race to wholeness. It's a race set before us. Proverbs 15, 24 says again, the way of life wins upward. So when you're in the trial, when God's exposing everything, life is upward. If you're looking up, you won't, you won't be looking at your circumstance. Because God is creating a circumstance around you that you cannot control so that he can remove something from you. And if you're looking up, you won't even know what's going on. Because the Bible says when you keep your eyes on Jesus, he will keep you in perfect peace. So in between life and hell is his work, not ours. Amen? In between a lost soul and a whole life is the work of Jesus. It's not our work. Remember I said last week, there will be battles, and the battle's not yours, but what is yours? The victory. And how do you get the victory? You speak it. The battle's is he's warring the battle, but you're the one that has a sword. The sword is the word. And if you'll just speak the word while you're in the battle, you will get the victory. And what I love about this time right now is the church is becoming more and more pure. And now when they speak the word, you realize how effective that's going to be when it comes out pure and undefiled? Because we, we defile the word. The word's not defiled. We defile the word, defile the word by our flesh, contaminating the word as it comes out. Listen, Philippians. Say, how do I know that I have taken his work into my own hands? That's a good question to ask yourself. Well, how do I know, Gene? that I have taken his work into my own hands. Well, let's look at Philippians 2.13. It says, Not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you. <clears throat> Energizing, and listen, creating in you the power and the desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and his delight. Now that's a powerful thing. 
It's not your work. It says it's, he says it's my work. It's my energizing. It's my creating. It's my power that's working in you to create my good pleasure. He didn't say your pleasure. He said his good pleasure and his satisfaction. But look at the next verse. It says in Philippians 2.14, Now do all things without grumbling, fault-finding, complaining against God. It didn't say against your neighbors, did it? It says against God and questioning and doubting among yourselves. <clears throat> Let's define things again. Second Corinthians said what? Old things are passing away. New things are coming. So the things of the world that are passing away are what? Lust of the eye. Lust of the flesh. Pride of life. So when God exposes through the... When God begins to expose you or expose the enemy of your soul through the creative power in you to do his will, that's when we start complaining. That's when we start grumbling and fault-finding with each other. And it's not with each other, it's against God. It says you're doing it against me. You're complaining against me. You're fault-finding against me. So the one who is trying to bring the new thing into your life is the one you're complaining against. Are we getting this? So when I start finding fault in my brother or sister, when I start complaining about my brother that she did this or he did that, I didn't like the way she did this and this and this and that, I am complaining against God who has got his hands right here with everything I need. But I can't even see him because I'm so blinded by the complaining. So God is working in you to do what? Display you. He wants to display you. Revelations 22, 17. This is our last scripture. Revelations 22, 17. The Holy Spirit and the bride, the church, the true Christians. Notice that the bride, the church and the true Christians, it says. wonder why he said true Christians. So there must be some false Christians around, huh? The Holy Spirit and the bride. And I read from the Amplified Bible. The church, the true Christians say, come and let everyone come who is thirsty who is painfully conscious of his need of those things by which the soul is refreshed, supported, strengthened. And whoever earnestly desires to do it, let him come, take appropriate, and drink the water of life without cost. Where's the water of life? That's that's the Father's good pleasure right now. When Jesus is flowing... Out of the four rivers of your soul, out of your spirit, through your soul. But look what that word says. <clears throat> it says, "Let everyone come who is let everyone come who is thirsty." Don't you know the church is thirsty right now? The church is thirsty, and who is painfully conscious of his need of those things by which the soul needs to be refreshed. Notice he didn't say the spirit in this verse. He said the soul needs to be refreshed, supported, and strengthened. Do you hear it? But what's going to refresh the soul, the, the soul man? What's going to what's going to refresh him? The rivers of life coming out of you. My God, if we just if we just get this, everybody we come in contact with, with we're, we're going to drown them. Refresh them. Have everything that they need, because God has blessed you so much that you just stored it up to give.
And what keeps those rivers flowing? Come on, saint. What keeps the rivers flowing? Giving, 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 giving. This river can stop when you stop giving. This river can stop when you start giving. Stop giving. So you see how the spirit is one again. Spirit and soul is one again. It started out as being one. God separated them for the purpose of sanctification. And as you grow, this is what it looks like. You're becoming one with the bridegroom, who is Jesus, and your spirit, and the bride, which is you. The garden is completely restored. Spirit and the bride. That's it. I'm telling you, I'm excited about, one, the office, the function of this gifting. Because I need this revelation as much as everybody needs it. Believe me, I need the revelation that I'm teaching you. Just because I'm teaching it don't mean I got it. Just because I'm teaching it don't mean I've had a chance to apply it. But I thank God that he is pulling on me to make these deposits so that we can be changed and we can become the glorious sons of God. You didn't have but five people sitting in here and they were all lit up like this. We wouldn't need any lights in the house, would we? And when they come in, before they step over the threshold of that door, they're completely changed. That's the acceleration. I said, God, how are you going to wrap this thing up? How are you going to accelerate this thing, washing the bride so you can come back? He said, all I need is my fivefold office to be whole. And when they come in the door, they'll be quickly changed, washed, cleansed, pure deposits being made on them. Amen. Did y'all get anything out of the night? Anything. Because if you don't, raise your hand. We'll go over it again. Let's give him some praise. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's more, there's more, there's more revelation coming and there's more visions coming. The Lord told me uh, last week in worship, he said, Gene, I'm going to give you a vision as we progress on each scripture that you teach. Remember uh, the rotation of grace? That was one scripture. Where is that? Can somebody get that real quick? Is it in the office? Oh, it's in there. Can you get that, Brother Smiley? If we can ever get a get a get a picture of this and understand this, it will tell you exactly where you are in this walk of sanctification. <clears throat> Born again experience, right? That's what the calling is. The devil has messed so many people up thinking, oh, I'm called. I'm called. I need to go preach. The calling is nothing more than Jesus calling you to himself. And when you pass through Jesus, then you are qualified to represent him. Now you can go preach the word. Now you can go teach the word. And passing through Jesus, you become one with him. And when you come out on the other side, you look like him, you smell like him, you act like him. The old man is completely gone. So that's what calling means. So you're called to Jesus. So the rotation of grace... The rotation of these positions make us one with Jesus. Remember, suffering does what? It's a divine exchange. The word is replacing something in your life. Perfect. You look at those scriptures, it means the perfect, God's perfect love has now been made perfect in you. How did the word, how did God's love 
How is the word made perfect? Or God's love made perfect in you? By keeping the word. His love is perfected in you. So if you apply this to each function of the soul, established means now you are established, you are in position to represent him in full authority. Too many of us have been representing him with not enough authority. That's why demons aren't coming out of people. Jesus said, you shall cast them out. You shall lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Come on. If you look up Psalm 9017, it says, now you can use his name. Some of us use his name and the devil sits back just laughing at you. Because you know why? Because he's in you. Whatever you're in bondage to, whether it's pride, anger, fear, worry, anxiousness, all these things, the devil just sits back. And, and laughs at you because he knows that he has got ground in you. And Satan will not divide his kingdom. So you can speak the name of Jesus on him all you want. But as long as you're in agreement with Satan, that, 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 that's not going to be effective. I've seen it in deliverance ministries. I've seen ministers try to deliver people out of demons. And the demon began to speak out of that person and started laughing at him that he was doing the same thing this person was doing last week. I've seen this. That's when I, when I, God has used me for several exorcisms. And when he says, Gene, I want you to perform an exorcism. I'm telling you, I have to sanctify myself. I have to, I have to go into worship for weeks. I have to go stay in prayer. I have to be separated from people because I want to make sure that Satan has no agreement in me because deception, people don't know they're deceived. That's what deception is. So we could have agreement with Satan in some area of our life and not even know it because it has become a part of us. But other people can see it and Satan can see it. So you've got to separate yourself when you go into an exorcism or you're in trouble because that spirit will launch out of that man and leap right on you. But now you're established to, to use his name in full authority. Jesus said you can use his name anytime. But... It's in this position that you're actually using it in full authority. And then when you start operating in that position of being established in authority, full authority, then you're going to have to be strengthened for that position. Because you can't stand there long if that anointing doesn't come to strengthen you. And then you rotate right in to being settled into your gifting and your calling. That you can truly go out and represent Jesus the way he needs to be represented in your gifting. And notice it comes, circles right back around the calling. Faith ends right there. Your whole right there. Calling, process, call. There's a difference between calling and being called. Calling is I'm calling you. Come on in. Come on into my body. Then when he processes you for the call, he says, go now, you're called. Y'all get this? It's easy for me to get it because I'm getting it. But if you're not getting it, please tell me you're not getting it. Don't be ashamed. All right, let's let's go home and uh, love y'all. Thank God for you. Happy birthday, Ansley's birthday. Oh, great. Okay, you got cake in the room next door. She baked it. You baked it. Oh, it's in the fridge. Okay. Pastor, thank you for coming.